If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Oh, yeah. In this oh. episode of the Mind Pump. Bring in the heat. For yeah. the first 35 minutes, we have some really fun today conversation uh, in our intro. We start out by giving our six-week challenge update. Maybe one of the more valuable intros, I think. So this is definitely one you should listen to. Yeah, mm. you know, uh, I, I commented that Adam, Justin, and Doug are looking really, really good. Adam thinks I have a little bit of a <laughs> ulterior motive with that, yeah. but I am He's being like patronizing genuine. patronizing us. I am being genuine. You guys look I trust uh, really you about good. as far as I could throw you. Yeah, that's not that far. <laughs> uh, then we talked about <laughs> Katrina's Spartan training and how her body is adapting to this endurance training. Good or bad? Did she get leaner? Did she gain body fat? Did What's she get going fatter? On? Yeah, who knows? Oh, my God. Then we talk about my Everly Well hormone test. So I did another Everly Well test to test my hormones, and my testosterone went through the roof, and we talk about what I've done to increase my natural testosterone levels. Then Adam gives us his renewed protein powder Use. How is he <laughs> <Renewed>. <laughs> using Organifi now to get his protein intake He's back up? on the powder, everybody? Uh, now we are mentioned. We are sponsored by both Everlywell and Organifi. So with Everlywell, if you go to everlywell.com, enter the code MindPump, you get fifteen percent off any test. And with Organifi, which has the protein powder, if you go to organifi.com forward slash MindPump, enter the code MindPump, you get twenty percent off. And then we end the intro by talking about the drugs known as SARMs. Everybody's taking SARMs. Do they work? Do they not work? Are they safe? What the hell are you doing S- taking S- these crazy- on the SARMs. Find out what mind pump things. Yep. Then we get into the questions. The first question was, how do you strike a balance between listening to your body and pushing your body to build muscle or burn body fat? Are those competing ideologies? How do you work between the two of those? The next question was, what is a good indicator that your metabolism is at the point now where you could start cutting calories to lose body fat? This is a great question. We get into detail so you can know when the right time is to start your cut. Hmm. The third question was, how would someone who works all day long at a desk, so this person sits down for like eight or more hours a day, how the heck are they supposed to get ten to 14,000 steps a day? We give some useful strategies in that part of this episode. And the last question what are some of our self-care practices and how do they impact our mental and physical aptitude? Justin dropped some wisdom Amen. in that part of this episode. I always do, but this one especially. Lots of self-care. Uh, also want to remind everybody, MAPS Performance is 50% off, half off. This is the first time we've ever done a mass performance pro- promotion for this long. Yeah. Now, in order it has to get the most videos out of all the other programs we sell. Oh, this is very different from what you're doing now. It's a very functional program, mobility based. Uh, this is designed to get you functional, athletic performance. It's probably what you're not doing and you should be doing. So I'm challenge everybody out there who hasn't tried it yet to give it a go. Now, this program is not for wimps. It is hard. It is a very, very hard workout. You will sweat. You will burn a lot of calories. In order to get the discount, you got to go to mindpumpmedia.com, enter the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N, and the number 50, no space, and you will get 50% off. I also want to remind you that we have bundles on that website. Bundles are where we combine multiple MAPS programs and put them together for specific goals, like our super bundle, which is a full year of exercises and workouts all planned out for you. So you can find all the bundles and the 50% off MAPS performance with the code GREEN50, at mindpumpmedia.com. Justin, can I just say something? 
You look fucking handsome today. Thanks, man. You yeah, guys you, are all. You guys are all. I'm gonna be honest now. No, look, no look, more shit talk. I'm not gonna talk don't, shit. Don't, <laughs> this is honest. Hey, now we're gonna hey, be nice. I don't want your compliments. This is a new anymore. strategy. I'm tired of your compliments. You know what it is? I know you, bro. This is you slowly closing our audience. Yeah. It's you slowly closing the audience on how on, what? on how much we had to be changed. He wants some fans. and how much advantage yeah. that we. No, had. Yeah. I'm being honest. I know you, dude. You're setting everybody am, up. First of all, I talk shit all the time, and you're also trying to get us to relax. I know, no, bro, no, no. Even... First of all, I talk shit all the time. Right. I am being completely oh, honest. I'm fucking Obi Wan, dude. I'm being completely. <laughs> don't fucking. Don't fucking. What a dick! Fine, yeah, I'm, I'm I can't Yoda. even say something don't, nice. Don't Luke, don't yeah. Luke Skywalker me, bro. Right. <laughs> yeah. Stop using Star Wars you're references. Padawan. That's just it. <laughs> it's just its game. That's why he likes Listen, well, I'm listening. I'm, right I'm, now. I am being completely honest. Everybody's looking really good. Doug looked like I, I, I mark. I will bet money. Doug, did you measure your arms? Did you gain at least He's a half? bringing in some guns. At least a quarter inch on your arms? I have zero idea. Oh, you haven't measured it? I haven't measured it. He measures okay. his waist. He already mentioned that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I don't know what your waist looks like because you you wear a you know, baggy t shirts, but your arms look bigger. Adam's looking way different. You look healthier for sure. Can't wait till you do your next hormone test. Mm. Justin. Fuck, dude. You look good. Everybody's looking good. This is really, really... Now, the guys who aren't making that big of a difference... Serious. Taylor looks the same. <laughs> Drew looks the same. Enzo's getting leaner. Yeah, Enzo's, Enzo's starting to look... getting leaner. Yeah, he's, yeah, everybody's doing really well, and I, I, I'll i be honest with you. Like, of course I want to win all that. You know, great. I'm very competitive. But at the end of the day, <laughs> if one of us does well and the rest of us suck, it looks really bad. Right. Yeah. So I'm really happy to see that everybody's killing yeah, it. You guys are all killing you it. You knew that would happen, though. Everybody, yeah. everybody on this team, especially the owners, right? And you, Katrina, so she's here, here's she's part of this competition with us right now, right? So she's been she's been going along. Is she really? Yeah, and she's also training for Spartan. So she's got the big Spartan. Oh, that's gonna be a challenge in two weeks. To uh, it's a major challenge. So listen to what happened to her. So we did a little. This was the midpoint, right, for us. And so I wanted to go and get my body fat tested again, just to kind of make sure that I'm on pace for where I want to be and stuff like that, like checking up. And she did too. So we went together and uh, before we even went, you know, she's kind of talking to me about her past week and what she's been doing. And I've been telling her that, you know, just keep in mind what you're trying to do right now. Like, you know, it took me a really long time to get you out of being a runner to building and sculpting of physique and you, you love everything about it. And now you've decided to take on this new Spartan thing. Like her and her brother, they're, they're on pace. They're, they're going to go get the, the three, right? So she's going to go to the championship. Is it that they want the whole complete Yeah, they're going to complete the whole, yeah, the whole thing. And she's now on her, what, I think third or fourth Spartan race. Good and for them. Yeah, they're having a blast. They enjoy doing it. And I said, nothing wrong with this. But I want you to know that when you get yourself involved in a body sculpting competition – and you're also training for a Spartan race. Which is endurance. Conflicting interests. Conflicting. Completely yeah. conflicting. And you cannot be hard on yourself because there's going to be a give and take here. So the worst part is when you do absolutely. that kind of training, the scale moves down. So you can yeah, be tricked. So, so listen. Listen to what I'm going to share with the audience right now. What happened to her? Because this was a great lesson for her and I think a lot a lesson for a lot of people. <laughs> a lesson in that Adam is correct. No, well... <laughs> <laughs> it, no, and I and I'm definitely not that guy at all. Like I don't told you so at all. I mean, that I actually love for us to do this because it, it it applies it applies tangible things that I now can use to to demonstrate the example that I've been trying to give her. And she and I definitely don't rub it because I know how how it feels. It sucks when this happens. Sure. So leading up to this, going to the test, you know, she's she had a really busy week at work, and because she's getting closer to a Spartan race, she's 
been you know slowly increasing her her mileage on how much she's running and, and working on her endurance and she had kind of a slow week lifting I mean she's very consistent with her lifting you know her and I train anywhere between four to six days a week on a very regular basis and I think this week she only got in like two or three times but she got her runs in and she's down two pounds so she's she feels leaner and stuff and she's going to get dunked and she goes and when we get dunked and her body fat percentage went up mm. And she's fucking pissed, you know? And I'm like, why are you mad? Like, we talked about this. Like, this I, I'm not surprised at all. You shouldn't be surprised. And she's like, I just don't understand. She's like- Her I'm body's di- becoming more efficient. I, I'm like, That's she's it. like, I'm yeah. down I'm down weight. She's, I'm all, she's all, I'm dialed on my food. Like, she's ate perfect. And she's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, this is not fair. And I'm like, well, hun, you got to understand that you, you were, you've been consistently lifting- and then all of a sudden you have a slow week. So you sent a signal to the body that it doesn't need as much muscle this week because, and I'm, of course it works on a grander scale than this, but I'm using this as an example to explain to her how the body is responding to exactly what she did to it, which was you reduced volume of training, you know, just by chance because you couldn't get to the gym. And this happens to people every day. This is why people get stuck in plateaus mm-hmm. of the up and down, up and down is you get a busy week. Your volume inevitably goes down, meaning you have less sets, less reps, less total weight that you move that week, which then sends a signal to the body that I don't need as much muscle because I'm not moving as much weight this week as the prior three weeks. You're also sending the competing signal of- And then on top of that, you're getting these runs in and you're increasing the amount of time that you're running. And it's not a lot. She's not running like crazy, just a little bit. But just the fact that you are running and then you're and you're increasing the amount of time you're running, you're now sending a, a signal to the body saying, we need to be more efficient. We need to be efficient with our calories. We need to be efficient with our body weight because we have to be moving longer. So it's not advantageous for us to have all this muscle. So less volume and more running definitely tells the body, let's get rid of this heavy ass muscle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what it did exactly what you wanted it to do by what you did this week. So you can't beat yourself up. Such over an it. important thing to communicate. And I, I know we continue to hammer it, but it's because you know, it's it, it can seem bewildering. It can seem like a massive mystery. I mean, here you are, you're working out hard, you're doing way more cardio, so, right. you, so you're burning more calories. Eating perfect. Eating well. Then you weigh yourself, and you're like, oh shit, I'm down in body weight. Mm-hmm. I'm getting leaner, especially if you're a female. And when I say that, it's because women tend to focus on wanting to get smaller. Not leaner, but smaller. So when they go on the scale and they see that they're lighter, they're like, hell yeah, but then when you go get a body fat test, which most people don't get, most people don't get or have access to body fat tests, right? They just look at the scale. Then you get a body fat test, and although you're lighter, your body fat percentage went up. Now, how is this possible? People want to ask, well, how is this possible? It's easy. If your muscle mass went down and your body fat stayed the same, your body fat percentage went up, okay? Does that make sense to everybody? Because your total pounds of body fat might not even have even gone up but it is now a larger percentage mm-hmm. of your body weight because your overall body weight went down. So you might not even gain body fat, but your body fat that you have on your body now is a larger percentage. And that's exactly what happened to her. Yeah, yeah. Is that she lost, and all it, all it has to be is a one-to-one ratio or, or less, right? So if she lost two pounds and she didn't gain any fat, but her body fat percentage went up because she all she has to do is lose 1.1 pounds of muscle and 0.9 pounds of fat, and she'll get and fatter. And the ratio is different. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And, and then now the body fat percentage exactly. goes up. Now the, now, the other side of that, of course, is that's a slower metabolism, right? You lose muscle or you lose strength. That's right. a sign that your metabolism is starting to slow down. And what happens, people get stuck in that trap, and they continue to push it. Because here's what most people do. 
most people are not like Katrina, don't go get a body fat test, aren't, you know, with someone who's a, a you know, a trainer with lots of experience and all that stuff. Most people would just look at the scale and be like, oh, this is working great. Right. I'm going to do more of this. Right. Or continue even. Yeah. I'm going to do more cardio, do less weights because when I do weights, my body's on this, my, my body weight doesn't change on the scale. Yeah. But when I do shit tons of cardio, I lose a lot of weight on the scale, not realizing that they're getting softer, mm. slowing their metabolism down. Now, over time, you, you dig a hole. What happens is you dig a hole with the slower metabolism. And over time, you're in a situation. I mean, my girlfriend is a ex- amazing example of this. When I first started dating her, if she consumed over twelve or thirteen hundred calories, she would gain weight. And this is because she used to do she used to run like a maniac all the time, tons and tons of cardio. Now, today, you know, this is you know, a few years later, I mean, now when she's cutting, she's at like seventeen hundred calories and you know, sixteen hundred calories, and that's getting her leaner. Whereas before anything over twelve hundred would have her gain weight, and she's not doing barely any cardio. So this is what you can do with your body with the right kind of training. And it just takes a little time. I mean, if you get on and you start, I just, I just did uh, Christina Rice's Insta story because she has a large female following and a lot of them are having trouble understanding this concept. And I was telling them, look, when you first start proper resistance training, first of all, if your goal is endurance, then go run. If that's your goal, then yeah, you want to run. But if your goal is overall fitness, be leaner and be stay leaner easier in, in regular life, well, then you need to lift weights. And what I explained to them was, look, when you first start lifting weights, here's what happens. You're not going to lose a lot of weight on the scale initially. What's going to happen is you're going to feel more firm and toned. Then your body shape will start to change a little bit. I love it when I get messages from clients and they're like, you know, the scale hasn't changed, but I definitely look way different. Mm-hmm. That's because more muscle, less body fat. It's giving you a better shape, right? But then the fat loss starts to happen. Once you start to get past that point, then you start to notice fat loss and it becomes, dare I say, far easier. Far, and I hate saying easy because it sounds like I'm like a commercial for a diet pill or something like that. But it's fucking true. I mean, imagine if you could eat 600 more calories a day and not do cardio and get leaner. Is that easier than what you were doing before? Hell yeah, you better believe it. And we see it all the time. So Now, speaking of things we've changed and getting our bodies to to respond and whatnot, and I know I gave you guys compliments earlier, and everybody is changing really well, but I think you guys might be screwed. Because <laughs> I saw your testosterone. Yeah, dude, you guys testosterone are you guys now. are uh, you guys are competing with. Uh, I mean, I'm on I'm on natural roids. <laughs> I'm on natural. Well, so, there's a couple factors there, right? That uh, we were talking about. Like you had that that all day workout, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, then, you did. So first of all, you did the Everly Well twice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what yeah, I yeah. did was so so in 2017. I, d- I had bought my... This is before we were sponsored by Everly. Now, what I love about Everly Well... It keeps them all, right? Well, I love... Every- yes, we're sponsored by them, but we're not, we are not. We got sponsored with them because I had done stuff with them before and I had liked them. So we had seeked them out. And and what I like about them is they're, they're, their tests are inexpensive. They, you do them at home because mm-hmm. it's a pain in the... Have you ever tried to go get a hormone test by your doctor? You got to go see your doctor. You got to get a prescription. Then you got to go to the lab. text you, let you know your results are up. It's super it, easy. It, yeah, but Everly Well is like you get the at-home test. I think the testosterone test is like 49 bucks, And that's retail. We have a discount. You get the test. And for, for a lot of the hormone tests, it's saliva. So you wake up first thing in the morning and you don't brush your teeth or anything. And it tells you within 30 minutes of waking up. And you fill up a vial with saliva. And what it's measuring is free uh, active testosterone, which is an important measurement because total testosterone doesn't tell you how much of it is active and how much of it is bound. When testosterone is bound, it doesn't do anything in the body. So you want to know what the free testosterone is. So you spit in this vial, then you just mail it in. When they get it, they, they send you a text. They send you a, a website. They save it. 
So I did one in 2017. And the reason why I did a test back then was I felt like my testosterone levels were low. I remember telling Jessica, like, I just don't feel like myself. Now I was chalking it up to, you know, I'm, you know, a year and a half or whatever out of a divorce and a lot of stress. Maybe that's what's going on, but it just doesn't feel my, my normal testosterone levels. I've always felt like were, were kind of high, but I don't know. I never really knew because I never really tested it. So I did that test and it came back average. Then a year later, we get sponsored through Everlywell and all of us do a testosterone test. I did another one and it came back just a little higher, but it was about the same. So again, it was average. Now at this point, I'm like, okay, I know it says I'm average, but I always and I but I still don't feel like myself. I still don't feel like the old Sal where I had lots of I always felt like I have higher levels of testosterone. So I examined my entire life and I said, what could I what could I be doing now that would be depressing my testosterone? Let's levels? talk about some of the indicators that 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 tell you that you just didn't feel normal. Like what are they cause I I know what they are for me and the things I yeah. look at, like as far as libido skin, my sleep, yeah. my energy levels. Like what are the things that you're my my libido, um, although it was good and Jessica would argue, she would always tell me, Shut up, your libido's great and I'm like, You have no idea how what it used to be. So my I felt like my libido wasn't uh, as high as it was before, but again that was kinda like iffy. My recovery with weights wasn't as good. My strength was harder to lift as heavy as I did before, and of course that could be age. You know, I'm 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 now on the uh, you know I'm almost forty now, so I'm like, well, it could be that, and so it was hard for me to. But I did notice the the, the declines and things that you're supposed to notice when your testosterone level is not as high as it once was, or whatever. So I you know so I said I want to test it again, but this time I want to address the potential things that could potentially be lowering it, lo- you know, bring it lower than what I think it normally is. And so the two main areas that I looked at were uh, my diet. Now, I had been eating keto style for a while now. You guys know this. Since since we started Mind Pump, I'd always eaten that way. And it wasn't for any other reason than for my gut health. It just helped my gut health, and so I felt better. And you know, I, I do want to be clear on the podcast, health is always number one. Because had I just tried to eat in a way to raise testosterone and not paid attention to my gut health, I would have worse health and testosterone probably would have been worse anyway. So, so, but with keto diets and low carbohydrate diets for long, long, long periods of time, it's pretty well established that it will cause a lower, uh, lower testosterone in, in men. This is a well-established fact. It's not a, it's not a, a secret or whatever. Not, it's not a um, controversial. Um, but again, if you need to eat keto for your health, that's more important and doing the opposite will make everything worse anyway. So I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start slowly increasing my carbs. My gut health was much better because I was doing those monthly fasts. So I said, maybe I can start doing that. So I started bumping up my carbs. I started feeling stronger. I started feeling better. I noticed uh, like, oh, you know, maybe that's affecting me positive. The other thing I looked at was cannabis. Now here's the thing with marijuana. Cannabis very reliably in animal studies will lower anabolic hormones uh, in animals. Very reliably. Like they can literally, they know it's going to happen every single time when they give an animal high doses of cannabinoids that their testosterone and anabolic hormones go down. Now with humans, the studies are mixed. Some show it lowers, some show it doesn't do anything. The problem is humans are hard to, to study like with animals. Like it's hard to take a bunch of guys and then who don't use marijuana. Well, and then and, and, then, and control the variables. Control everything. It's like you got 100 guys, they all smoke weed, and you're trying to see if the weed makes a big difference on testosterone, but we're not talking about their stress, we're not talking about their sleep, we're not talking about their weightlifting routine. It's hard. And we know that those things could potentially 
positively affect testosterone yeah. even more so than mm-hmm. marijuana can negatively Now, I know the endocrine system is riddled with cannabinoid receptors, but so is a lot of the body, the brain, the digestive system, the bones, but the endocrine system for sure. And we do know, and this is quite well established, that lots of cannabis use will uh, decrease the quality of your sperm. So if you're a man trying to get a woman pregnant, lots and lots of weed, uh, not a good idea. The other thing too is when you go to a doctor, when you go to a uh, endocrinologist. I hope I said that right. Endocrinologist. Thank you. When you go to a hormone doctor, if you go to a, if you're a guy and you get gynecomastia, for example, let's say you start to grow breast tissue. One of the first things they do is I ask you if you smoke uh, marijuana because they've seen anecdotally that it can cause that. And there's some evidence to suggest it may do that. Maybe not. It's kind of up in the air. So the studies are, but here's the other thing too. I was using cannabis every night. Now, initially I did this for, again, my gut. But my gut had been so much better. And I said, you know, am I just using it every night now because I like it? So, you know, yes. I told, I told exactly. I told Adam, I'm going to, I'm going to cut down. Am I? I'm going to cut way down on cannabis. Here's the thing I noticed when I cut down on cannabis, by the way. I went through two weeks of withdrawal, which really pissed me off because that told me I was already using, I was using too much. I don't like to feel withdrawal from anything. That tells me that I was in, uh, you know, I was uh, lying to myself. I had like my sleep, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like heroin withdrawal or anything. I was, terrible it was my sleep was off and i wasn't feeling like myself and but that told me oh shit my body adapted to, to using this every night so i went from using it every night to using it once or twice a week uh i increased my carbon take my sleep was good and all that other stuff got my new everly well test and this time i did the men's health one which not just not only tests testosterone it tests cortisol estradiol and mm. dhea so it tests all the important hormones for men. Now, is that one a little bit more expensive because it does all three? Yes. Okay. Not that much more, though. It's worth it. I wish I would have done oh, that the no. first time. Like That's the one I have now. That's the one you're going to do now. Yeah, yeah, no, I had it all set to go this morning, and I did. this is twice I've done this with every well test, is I brush my... Because I just have this habit. First yeah, thing when I get out of bed, I'm barely teeth. awake. I'm like brushing my teeth. Yeah, no, you can't it's, brush your teeth. Yeah, that's you right. can't screw up the last one. So, yeah, it's yeah, interesting to do. So, I'm going to put it like... Into, I had it on my dresser. It's going on my, my bathroom counter so I know not to brush my teeth first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'll do mine tomorrow. Yeah. So, I, what I did was is I, you know, I did the test and it came back. Uh, my estradiol was normal. Cortisol was normal. DHEA was higher, uh, was high. Um, and my testosterone was high. Now it's not high like I'm on steroids or anything like that. It was, it was definitely above the. They, they said anything over 185 was high. I was at 220, but that's almost double what I measured before. So what I'm doing now is working. Now I can tell when I'm working out. I can tell since I started doing this, I'm stronger. I mm. feel better. Uh, I seem to be building more muscle. Bro, double, double your the hormones is is crazy. Double free it'll testosterone. Be, it'll be interesting too. Like I've been thinking about this because going carnivore for so long, and then I just literally reintroduced like a cup of rice, like some carbs into my diet yesterday, and it was the the craziest surge. Like I felt like even like I've ever to be honest with you, like I've I've never felt that much energy and. And immediate access to strength, like when I went back to the workout. So, uh, tell me you weren't thinking about what I've said a million times on this show about like the the most anabolic I've ever felt is yep. what it, when manipulating nutrition for a show. Oh, dude, it's yes. more than any injection I've ever taken. Like, Bro, when you, I've it was like a lightning bolt. It was yeah. so uh, it was so obvious, and that's why I was like, and I remember Sean Baker and like having him on the show. He made great points and all this kind of stuff, but like. You know, like even when we were kind of like off air, we we're asking about his testosterone levels and this and that. And like he was kind of vague with his answers with that. But like I I can't imagine that, you know, like 
like it's going to raise testosterone, like uh, being in this deficit. It, it feels like you're in this deficit like all the time and I'm fighting against my body. Dude, just because you can doesn't mean it's ideal. So right. I, I think what they're doing is like, oh shit, you can eat meat and be and, and be okay. Well, yeah, you can just meat, but you're not. that's not ideal. And here's the deal. A lot of people who do it, like Michaela Peterson, okay, we had her on the show. This is Jordan Peterson's daughter. She eats carnivore because if she eats severe, anything else, yeah, severe problems. She eats anything else, she has a, an immune yeah. reaction. Well, well it's fuck. like the, it's like the point you made earlier. It's you just get like to it, heal yourself first, right? Yeah, for for health purposes, I mean, it makes sense, right? If you yeah. have somebody who is, you know, this uh, severe gut issues, and by doing the carnivore diet or doing the ketogenic diet resolves that for you and your overall health sleep being yep. libido all, all is good but for your just an average person who's trying to be in shape and trying to get in better shape and you're trying to hop on one of these fucking you know trendy diets right now no nope. yeah it's like dude their carbs serve a purpose dude. use them well, like I, tools I, yeah now i already see sort of people like getting into the the dogma of it and and getting swept into that like it's like oh i'm getting all these performance gains and i'm you know cutting down and this and like no like let's 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 separate ourselves from that and really dissect it because it's to me it's like I've had I've had shit performance and I'm just gonna be dead honest about that. That's why I'm a little bit interested to see like with my testosterone levels like what that comes out. I know like. I kind of wanted you to test it before you did that, and I have to be honest. I mean, I know Sal's been giving compliments to everybody around, but I really haven't been worried about you because I know you're gonna fuck shit up with how low you've been with all the the carnivore. I am a little nervous though. You start adding carbohydrates into your diet. Yeah, that, have. That, that does make yeah, me a little. That makes me a little nervous well, because I'm coming back for sure. I think you're going to see a big difference from that. I well, mean, I, the, the problem is this. Here's what you need to understand. Because I I did keto for long periods of time. You are hypersensitive to carbs. Okay? Yeah, yeah, big time. You had one cup of rice. That, was it. that is not a lot of carbs, and you felt a huge, huge surge. Here's the problem. You're going to start throwing carbs in. You're going to feel good. You're going to want to increase. Keep doing. Appetites yeah. can go through the roof. Boom. You're going to hold water on body fat like crazy. So no. Do it. What I would I'm recommend do it intermittently. I was just gonna say what I would recommend is if you want to do it now before the contest is over, is I would do a cup of rice every other day or every third day. That's it. Just play with that and see how that feels, and yeah. slowly increase it. Adam was telling me about sort of a progression too that I might apply as well, as far as like adding a little bit, you know, a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more, then going back down to nothing, like in in carnivore again, and kind of like repeating yeah. the pattern. But so. I mean, I think people should use these diets as as tools. Like you know what they're good for. When do you use them? Like, here's the deal, okay? Let's say you have, uh, let, let, use me as an example. When my gut was really off and I was going keto and using cannabis daily and it was helping, would or would my hormone levels be better in that situation or would my hormone levels be better if I just focused on eating carbs and not using cannabis and letting my, my gut health go to shit? See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Good health is what kept me yeah. where I wanted to go. Now that my, my health was good and I didn't need to use those tools anymore, now I can remove them, change things up, and now I'm in a more optimal state. But pro good health is is number one because that's going to give you the best results. Along those lines, and this is a, it's funny that we're doing this competition and we're back in this place again. You know, I, I now feel like I'm all of a sudden this you know protein powder advocate again. You know, I'm back on you know, back on <laughs> drinking the Organifi protein. And here's the deal: like I just I when I track and I pay attention to what I'm eating naturally, I, I have a hard time consistently getting protein into my diet. I just, and maybe that's because as a kid, I just gravitated to carbohydrates my whole life. And, you know, it's not that I don't crave meat. It's just that I'm a- Oh, you're aiming for 200 grams. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm a 218 pound guy, right? That's what I'm weighing right now. And, you know, my lean mass is probably somewhere around 180 plus pounds of lean body mass. 
and I'm that's a decent amount of protein you got to get, mm-hmm. you know, for so and so if you're and if you're only eating three times, maybe four times in a day, well, do the math, divide that up. Those are solid protein. It's like those. 60, 50 to 60 grams of protein, right? Per, yeah. Which is more than a six ounce chicken breast, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. think about that, and and then if and that's that's a good day, right? A good day would be every meal has a good portion of 40 to 50 grams. Well, what's a day where I don't? What is a day where I decide to intermittent fast? What's a day? Yeah. And those days start to add up. What for are me. you averaging? How many like how many shakes are you aver- Are you doing like one shake a day, two shakes a day? Uh, yesterday was the first day I didn't do one in a while, but I had been, I'm consistently probably having a shake every day right now. Like, a, so, like 20 grams or 40 grams of protein? So, well, closer to 40 because I'm adding the three egg yolks into oh, it. So yeah. I, do the, the, I do the Organifi vanilla and then I do the, uh, right now, spinach, blueberries, banana, and then the three egg oh, yolks. beautiful. That's like become, beautiful. that's been a, a staple post-workout now, shake for me. Now, totally honest, you, you are a whey protein guy for a long time. Now using the Organifi, you know, consistently. Digestion-wise. That's what's different. So uh-huh. I notice I don't hold as much water. Whey works fine for me, and I still have my whey protein, and I it, I haven't been using it lately because this uh, this shake I like right now, and it's working well for me, but I, I've said on the show before that I've used whey before, mm-hmm. uh, and I still intermittently use it. I haven't been lately, and the biggest difference that I notice from the Organifi versus the whey is I don't I don't have a bloat afterwards mm-hmm. a little bit. It I, I, My stomach sits. I don't have the farts or gas. I noticed that because sometimes I can get gassy after drinking a lot of protein shakes. That's and, important. Yeah, these are these are just little things, right? It's like, and those things yeah, I didn't spare the air. I didn't notice <laughs> that before. These aren't things that I really paid attention to. I just thought that's part of the game, right? If you're a bodybuilder, you lift a lot of weights, you eat a lot of protein, you just fart all the time. Yeah. It's like, well, I notice a big difference if I'm doing a lot of whey versus if I'm just doing like the Organifi. Uh, protein. You know what the shake. worst are those, those the egg protein farts. Oh my god! You oh. ever use pro- oh. egg protein powder? Oh yeah, oh. that is like. It's and I, th- the worst. I think maybe because it's high in sulfur. Yeah, it must be. But you. F- First I feel of all, like that's what Craig was eating. Yeah, remember, oh, yeah. You, bro, you fart he out. Destroyed, I don't know, he destroyed us. That may have been the nastiest fart I've ever. I'll forever smoked. remember that. I like, will. That's it like peeled the paint off. There's the walls. not many farts that you like remember for years. Like that was like two years <laughs> ago. That's a memorable so memorable. Fart. Yes, oh, dude. Man. We were in the suite and the motherfucker cleared the suite, dude. Yeah. You know what it reminded me? It, uh. it almost felt. Maybe this is an illusion, but it felt thick. Like you could comb it out of the yeah, way. Yeah. I was like <laughs> moving my arm in like yeah, this hole. I could almost see where it is. Like, oh, there it is. Yeah. The fog was just lingering. Speaking of uh, supplements and health and all that stuff, if I, I, I keep, do you guys get messages on SARMs? Dude, all the time. It's so popular it's right now. Maybe it's up there with the top three things that I get in my DMs is SARMs and steroid stacks and asking me about it. And Dude, I'm, I'm where's the appeal in comparison to like testosterone? I, I'm here's, furious here's, with it. Here's what I remember, okay? And this is where I'm patient because I get, I get furiated like you do too and frustrated or whatever. But then I, I the patient side of me is I also remember being a 19-year-old boy trying to find whatever's out there and then also scared of steroids because I've heard because ster- steroids is, is uh, a needle sort of I'm, like a stepping stone to that right and, and and thinking that like that like steroids are so bad I don't want to do steroids but if there's something on the market that's like that's close to steroids as possible that's a pill yeah. or something that I can get that's qu- not quite illegal then in my head I'm justifying that's okay and so yeah. I, I so I, I think I understand where a lot of these I, people I do are too. thinking I do too here's why I'm furious I'm not furious with people asking me questions hmm. the fury that I feel is because people in our space Space, responsible fitness, health, wellness people in our space. They're the fucking ones that are telling people, 
it's to this, check it out. Yeah, check it out. It's this experimental thing, and the side it's got little side effects. What the fuck are you doing? How do you know that. What yeah. the fuck are you doing? Yeah. First of all, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to give a little breakdown on SARMs. I just did a post on Instagram about it because I was getting really mad because I get people messaging me who are telling me, hey, man, what do you think of this SARM? And how about if I take this much, you know, whatever. SARMs, first of all, SARM is an acronym, and it stands for Selective Androgen Receptor Modulator. So it's similar to a SERM, which is a Selective Estrogen Receptor Modulator. Those are chemicals that attach to the estrogen receptor and block it. Um, and women will, will, you know, they'll give them to women who have like breast cancer or sometimes bodybuilder will take them because they're, they're getting, you know, elevated levels of estrogen where they're taking testosterone. But what a SARM aims to do is it aims to attach to the androgen receptor. The androgen receptors are the same receptors that testosterone attaches to. Now, what are these receptors responsible for? Well, they're responsible for masculinizing effects. So masculinizing means making you more masculine. Okay. So uh, body hair, facial hair, lowered voice, voice oily yeah. skin, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So obviously if you're a woman, you don't want to stimulate these too much because you'll start to become more male. <laughs> and if you're a guy mm. and you go hard with the and, and don't don't make out with your boyfriend that could potentially be uh, taking yeah. this yeah, too. Could, thank or, you. Or thank you. Just, the, yeah, just you'll get banned his, from CrossFit. This thingy. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're, uh, if you're a male, you don't want to go crazy with androgen receptors and, and masculinization because then you could lose your hair, have uh, enlarged prostate, like all the male things that, you know, that tend to happen with men. So anyway, besides that, the androgen receptors also build muscle and burn body fat and make you stronger. This is why men, one reason why men are stronger than women. We just have hormones that activate these receptors more than them. And so we have all these, you know, on top of the masculinizing effects, we have all this other stuff. Now, SARMs are chemicals that drug companies have been trying, because for a long time, Drunk companies have been trying to figure out the problem of testosterone. And the problem is this. If we give testosterone to a cancer patient or to someone with osteoporosis or somebody with a degenerative disease, they tend to feel better because testosterone builds muscle, makes them stronger, and all these other things. The problem is you get the masculinizing effects with it as well. So you don't want to give a female cancer patient steroids to make her build muscle and feel better and so gain is, weight, and then this, she becomes more male. Is this the main reason why SARMs were, are even on the market or yes. the testing is there? They're trying to figure out a solution for women that... so They're trying to find a solution that it gives you all the good effects without the masculinizing effects. I see. So they're trying to give you like, okay, let's, let's, let's create a chemical that'll build muscle, you know, strengthen bones, make you feel better, burn body fat, you know, uh, but also don't cause these masculinizing You're side effects. you not grow balls. Yeah. And also doesn't lower testosterone because when you take testosterone, your body identifies it and uh, it starts to reduce its own production of testosterone. So that's why you, you know, guys on steroids will get their balls will shrink or whatever. It's because mm -hmm. their body start producing less testosterone. It's taking over its job. Yeah. yeah so, so what they're trying to do with SARMs is, okay, can we, can we get the good effects without any of the negative effects? Now, here's the deal with them. These have very little science behind them. They're, they're, they're not anywhere near FDA approval. So they're in this kind of animal study stage. Some of these SARMs, one in particular, uh, Glaxo, what's the company? GlaxoSmithKline, I think, the big, big pharma company, was testing one of these, dropped it. Many of these SARMs were dropped by pharma companies, by the way. So they were being tested. You can actually find literature. This is how a lot of these gray market, you know, drugs get introduced is these, these, you know, keyboard scientists will go through and look at chemicals that were tested, but then dropped. 
And then they'll say, oh, cool, we'll make this chemical and sell it because it's not technically illegal. Well, let me tell you something. If a big pharma company <laughs> drops it, drops a drug, because th- they definitely don't have the best reputation when it no, comes to yeah. integrity or no, safety. No, quality control is like an afterthought. I mean, one of Sometimes. them, you know, Gla- GlaxoSmithKline saw that it was giving uh, animals cancer. So they're like, oh, we're not going to. We're not going to go further. But, of course, you know, the, the gray market picks it up and is marketing it now to other people. So these st- things have very little study. And the amounts that are being used in the studies are way less than the amounts that people are recommending that humans use. Way less. Because if you use the small amounts that they show in studies, guys, here's what happens. So they're weak. People use SARMs and they'll gain like a pound of muscle maybe. And this is with higher doses. Some guys will gain four pounds of muscle with these super high doses. But on top of it, some weird shit's starting to happen. You're getting reports of liver toxicity, strokes. You're getting, uh, you know, uh, eyesight issues are having, people are having issues with their eyes. I don't know how Damn. five pounds worth going blind. Why would blind. you ever want to, yeah, mess with your eyes? But here, But here's the deal. Maybe they are safe or not. We don't know. It's a, it's a, it, there's not a lot of stuff behind it. It's a new fucking chemical that you're ingesting. And here's the best part. So there was an investigative report that was an article in the New York Times I just read, and they just did a, an investigative report, and they tested, I think, 40 uh, over-the-counter gray market SARMs and found that half of them uh, had way less than they said they did, and 10 out of the 40 didn't have any SARMs at all, and some of them had other hormones and shit in them. Wow, oh, man. Yeah, so- Out of 40. Out of 40, half were off completely. Yeah. Yeah. Some had nothing, and some had other shit in them. Right, because this is again, this is a a a gray market uh, for these products. There is not only there's is there no regulation, but there's also it's a new market, so you don't have a lot of user feedback. Right, there's not a lot you, of forums that are like you know being real de- descriptive about how their do you experience. test them. You know, yeah. how do you test them to see what's in them? So you're basically trusting these companies who aren't even selling supplements. These companies are selling SARMs as research chemicals. That's the that's the that's the game. That's- uh, here, here's how I've been. I feel about this. It's like if I'm going to put a chemical in my body, like I'm going to use something like testosterone. I mean, yeah. it's we we've got guys that are 80, 90 years old that are fucking taking testosterone. We got guys that have been doing it for fifty years consistently taking testosterone. Like we have, there's people that it's been around for a long. We've got tons of studies. We know what testosterone does and what it doesn't do, yeah. right? You know, there's so much more research around that that I feel. In, if I'm gonna take the step of putting some sort of a chemical or something synthetic into my body to make myself bigger and stronger. I just feel so much more comfortable with something that's been around for a long dude, time. Dude, it makes it's me angry. It's, it reminds crazy. me. It reminds me of the the BPC one five seven. Like that's another research chemical. Now I had, I, I I got convinced that okay maybe I'll try it and I, I you know all these people all that the I trusted and everything. Yeah, yeah, all these people I trusted. Oh, this that and the other. It's safe. There's no side effects. Whatever. I used it for about five days. And I'm very sensitive to things. I pay attention to how my body feels and all you guys know I'm the intuitive eater and all that stuff. And I started to feel a little bit like flat, a little down. I was like, what the fuck's going on? This is kind of weird. Is it like the BPC? in your mood? Yeah. So I do some my own research and I dig real deep and I find that, oh, BPC-157 affects the dopamine and serotonin uh, systems of the body. Well, that's fucking nice. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So again, this is like one of my bad. You know what I mean? My bad for you know messing with something without. 
So with these, when it comes to this gray market, it's like, and here again, it's weak. You're gonna take a SARM. You're gonna get about the same effects you're gonna get from creatine. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go that route, fucking take steroids. Stop being a pussy. Go take some steroids. <laughs> you Wouldn't know that be saying? great if that was the only bite. You're, you're not supposed to yeah. say that. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? I'm not, no, I'm not mind telling pump people, Sal. You know, it's a quote. No, I'm not telling people to no, take No, I agree. This is what I'm saying to people yeah. in my DMs when they message me this stuff all the time. I'm getting messaged constantly about SARMs, and I'm like, listen, I'm not, to each their own, it's your body, do what you want with it. Personally, myself, if... I'm even contemplating taking something to enhance my, you know, muscle building advantage. I'm going to take testosterone. It's just, I'll just take a lower dose of it. You know what I'm saying? I'll just take a 200 milligrams of it. Like that, we have stuff to show that 200 milligrams of testosterone every four, I mean, that's, you have doctors prescribing that right now to people. I feel really comfortable Taking Plus, something it's like been that. around for a long time, yes. and it's a hormone that your body makes. Yes. Like yes. a SARM is a chemical. You have more knowledge of the risk versus reward, yeah. you know, and the, the, that's a decision you can make as an adult. It's just that these people, like, they're experimenting with things that don't have that kind of data behind it. So it's like you, know, you may be you may be just doing your body nothing but harm right away. Plus the plus the the data, even if there is data, it's not that long. Do you know how op, you know how often drugs are taken off the market? Yeah. Right, yeah now right. keep years in, later for the long-term effects. Yeah, keep in mind the FDA, the American uh, FDA, the American drug approval process is the most extens- extensive and expensive in the world. It's re- it costs a 100 something like a I don't know how many like 100 million dollars to go from creating a drug to getting it finally on the market because mm-hmm. of all the tests. And even with all that rigorous whatever regulation, all that stuff, we still have drugs that were like, oh, uh, you know, we've been doing this for five years, but now it looks like it also causes dementia or mm-hmm. it causes, you know, heart valve problems or other weird shit that's going on. We get drugs taken off the market all the time. SARMs haven't even made it to that to that point yet. Yeah. They haven't even got to yeah, that point. Right. And people are experimenting. And the problem is, is that people are counting on their friends. They're like, Oh, he took it and he looks okay. Well, yeah, I know smokers who look okay, okay too. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I, yeah, I don't recommend it. And, I, and if you're in the fitness and health and, and wellness industry and you're like- Irresponsible. And you're promoting I agree. SARMs. I agree. Like, come on, man. You know, maybe like, you know, you just tell people you're experimenting on yourself. You don't recommend it. Right. I don't terrible. think, I mean, I, here's the thing. Like I took the BP-157 from my Achilles and I had an incredible experience with it. Mm-hmm. So I, and now I'm not out there- you know, promoting it and telling people they should take it by any means whatsoever. It was, this was my choice. I know the risk that I'm taking and where I was at with my Achilles. And my Achilles feels a, a million times better than what it did before I had taken it. So mm-hmm. I was a fan of it for those reasons. Now, could it actually affected my serotonin levels? Like maybe it did, but for the trade off for me, how, how debil- debilitating my Achilles was. Mm-hmm. It was it was worth the risk for me, yeah. and that's and it's my body, so I'm gonna fucking do something like that. But at the same time, too, I'm not out there telling people that this is oh you got to try this. It works so well. It's, Plus, I, it's the, they're they're weak anyway. Like I, like I said, I know a lot of people who've taken SARMs. They, they they're not new. They've been around for a while, and people are gaining, you know, three to five pounds of of muscle. I'm taking high doses of something. Oh, and by the way, it shuts down your testosterone too. That's the other point. They at the doses that people are using. You will shut down your testosterone. So, let's look at the let's look at the facts here. You barely gain any muscle. You're shutting down your testosterone, and you don't know the safety profile of it. I don't understand why a person in that situation doesn't just go take real anabolic steroids. steroids. Right. Yeah. You're going to shut your testosterone down anyway. 
you already know what the side effects are. You might as well go with the real. It's what deal. I told you. I, and you're going to gain more muscle. It's, it's the yeah. needle part, right? The, which is the irony is it's better for you for that exact reason, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That it's injectable. So, I, but I, I remember being a 18, 19 year old kid getting into lifting, willing to take almost any pill over the counter to try and build muscle, yeah. not thinking about the consequences. But I wouldn't touch steroids because that just yeah. seemed like a dirty, bad drug. And that's just the education around it, you know, yeah. which I think. We're evolving. We're getting better. I think there's more conversation. There's more people that are openly sharing about steroids and talking about anabolics and things like that. And where I'm at with it is I always tell people that, you know, going back over again, I wish I, would, I wouldn't I would have done that because of all the health problems and issues that it's caused me down the road. But that's neither here nor there. I definitely, if, if I'm debating mm-hmm. doing a SARM or testosterone at this moment, 100% I'm doing testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a question. Like. Yeah. It's it just and because you, we know it's safe. You know who's using them too a lot. It's getting popular in the female competitive, uh, you know, uh, it, among female competitors because of the promises that it's going to build muscle without without the masculinization. Without, yeah, without masculinizing yeah. yourself. Here's a deal, women. You don't want to stimulate your androgen receptors with chemicals. That's like that's like a man stimulating his estrogen receptors with chemicals. It's that's what makes if you're a female and you want to get a sex change. That's what they do. They give you hormones that stimulate your androgen receptors. And so even though SARMs promise to not whatever, at those doses and all that stuff, you're going to get some of those effects. And, and, you know, you start to throw your hormones off. That sucks. That mm. sucks coming out of that. Ask, look, talk to anybody. You've heard Adam talk about his, his ordeal with coming off testosterone. Like, I know women who did cycles of low, low, low doses of anabolic steroids like Anavar. Which they're you know they were told oh low doses real safe and I know how they felt uh, it threw them all over the place you know so I well, this, worst worst feeling ever yeah I don't <laughs> for sure I don't recommend it to anybody this quaz brought to you by Organifi for those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition Organifi fills the gap with laboratory tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge try Organifi totally risk free for sixty days by going to Organifi com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from Mr. Fricky. How do you strike a balance between listening to your body's signals to avoid burnout and injury while still pushing yourself hard enough to grow? Mm. That's a good question. Freaky, freaky. That may that may be the the question forever. I'll ask myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we ever truly truly master master this you know i think that um you know well pushing yourself is not balanced that's the difference right right and and i think uh, dr andy galpin talks about this uh, a lot and i and we've quoted him many times on that you're either uh, optimizing or you're adapting and if you're optimizing you're trying to have more balance and and that's your focus and when you're trying to adapt you're pushing your body and stressing it and uh, trying to cause it to adapt. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly flirting with being in and out of that. And I think that you have to understand that. I think... And both are are actually necessary for... For For health. Yeah, for good health. Yeah. No, so I had this talk with Enzo, right? So... um, he is. He did this incredible weight loss journey, and he's been a mind pump listener for a long time, and he follows all the mass programs, and he looks phenomenal. And he's really struggling, kind of breaking this plateau. And I, I've been with him quite a few times when he's worked out, and what I've noticed is that he's just like kind of following the maps program to a T, and he's just kind of doing the weights that he's kind of always done. 
And I mean, he can sit there and talk to me. He's texting on his phone. And I'm like, you know, the reason why you're struggling with seeing gains is you're you're not kind of incrementally stretching yourself. I said, you really need to start to stretch yourself a little bit. And don't take that advice and go overboard the other way and go cr- kill yourself. Just every workout, kind try and take it up a tiny bit more than what you mm-hmm. did previously. And, and that's what will force your body to adapt, grow, and respond. And I think that's just it is, is we're always trying to do that without doing it too much. And it's inevitable you're going to overreach mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just had this on the show recently where I talked about I knew I knew I was stretching myself on my back routine. I knew I overreached a little bit and I fucking paid for it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and it set me back three or four days. And that's a lesson of, oh, you know, fucking that's what I get. And mm-hmm. I know I, I'm in the middle of a six-week competition right now. So I, I already know myself. I'm more than likely going to overreach than I am to underperform right now because I'm competitive. You know, yeah. yep, yep. if we weren't doing that. I probably would have stopped, mm-hmm. you know, three or four sets earlier or pulled off 10 pounds and not really stressed it that much. And well, so, yeah. And I think too, with your average person, what, I mean, what we always try and focus on is like, how can we, how can we address these things with like your average person? What are they, what are they experiencing? And I think the hardest thing initially is to get to that place of homeostasis. What does that even look like? What, where am I in terms of like where I'm sort of at a maintenance level? I've been super consistent, you know, like so that way now going forward, I know, uh, you know, just by doing one incremental thing, it's going to it's going to affect my body in a certain way. And I can pay attention to that versus just sort of randomly doing things like and, and introducing things. You never really have that baseline established. So that way I can I can do. Um, you know, certain exercises uh, with certain intensity. And I know that it's going to either be, you know, at this level or, you know, at, at too high a level. So mm, No, you're, that's a great point. I, I like to look at the, the balance and the health and the intuitive eating and all that stuff as home base. You know what I mean? That's where I like to know my, my, my right. home base is at. Now, from there, I will move out of home base and I'll push myself to do different things. Like maybe I want to get stronger because I enjoy working out and I enjoy challenging myself, right? So maybe I want to hit a new PR in my squat or my bench press or my deadlift. Or maybe I want to build a little bit more muscle. Or maybe I want to get a little leaner because you know the summertime is coming up or because I have this contest right now. Maybe I want to increase my endurance. I always move from that home base. The other thing too you want to consider is that when it comes to you know balancing your, your, your body out and, and feeling healthy, you have to consider all stress, all stresses in your body. It's not just uh, your training uh, that, that you need to consider. It's also your sleep, your lifestyle, uh, your work, your, you know, your, your relationships. All these things are things you need to take into consideration. So when you're looking at balance, look at the whole picture and use exercise and fitness as a tool to balance your body out. What, what do I mean by that? Well, if I'm in a, a state of high stress, let's say I'm at work is just insane. I'm working 12, 13 hours a day. Maybe I have kids. Maybe my life, uh, my home life is very stressful. I'm not getting good sleep. Well, I'm going to use exercise as a way to take stress off my body. I may do more mobility and stretching work, go through the motions, make myself feel better. Let's say the rest of my life is is ideal. I'm getting good sleep. Work is great. Relationships are great. I feel good. Now I can apply more stress on my workout and also strike uh, you know, that balance. But at the end of the day, when you have that home base, 
It's a great place to know uh, you can be as you move out from it. Like I'll give you some examples. Competitors are notorious for not having a balanced home base. They don't even know what the fuck that looks like. Right. They're either all or nothing. Yeah, they're either pre-contest or off off season. And the difference between a pre-contest bikini competitor, physique competitor, bodybuilder, average—not all of them. Some of them are really, really good. But the average one, the difference between their the way they look and their health and their lifestyle, it's like two different human beings. I know female bikini competitors who the difference between contest and off contest is like 40 pounds. And we're talking about small girls. Right. I know guys where it's even worse. Yeah. You know, some of the old school bodybuilders were notorious. So I know Lee Priest would get, he's a short pounds, body. Yeah. He'd, he'd have to lose 100 pounds to get into contest. He had no healthy base. It was two extremes. It was two unhealthy situations. Both of them high stress on the body. See what I'm saying? Both of them not good for the this body. This is what I always thought I was a major advantage to the way I train doing in in uh, during the uh, competing time and with my peers is I would watch them all do this. And I, I had the ability to come out of a show, get right back to my home base, kind of reset, gather myself, make sure I'm cool, and then get good back into prep and never allowed myself to swing really far out of range. And, and you know, I was just watching a YouTube video with... Um, What's his name? Uh, Paul Rivera, which is uh, Lane Norton's buddy who talks about nutrition a lot, and he's a natural competitor. And he talks a lot about this with these competitors with these huge gains in the offseason. Like, you know, they're trying to build, and so they, they try and add 20. And, they used to, and I was the same way, too. Like, And he talks about this. Like, I was the exact same way. I used to just care about the scale, just putting weight on. Man, I used to do that. You're so focused on that, but then you don't realize that when you add 20 pounds of weight and you want to get lean and you, in order to get lean, you need to be in this deficit and to lose a lot of that fat that you put on with the muscle, you got to be in this calorie deficit for a long period of time. And it's inevitable. Your body's going to adapt and you will lose muscle. And there's a good chance you're going to lose a good chunk. If not almost all of what you fucking put on, that's what's crazy is. And I would see this with the competitors and it was, it's so obvious to me. And so, and this is, I'm overgeneralizing because not all competitors this way. I mean, I know I gave kudos to, and, I know, and we tease Jeremy Buendia a lot, but one of the things I've, I've give credit to him is I, I have seen his physique progress year over year over year. And to me, that's that you're doing something right when you have this ability to progress like that. And it's very obvious to me when these athletes don't progress and what, that there's something wrong in their programming and their nutrition. And that's because they're doing the same thing. They're just they're they're on they're off they're and on that's they're why off. they're doing these like sixteen week preps right and these insane low calories and then they get this insane like this is for real now I'm not making this up I know competitors female competitors that will gain fifteen to twenty pounds in the week after a contest that is an insane body weight rebound and now we have science to support that not only are their fat cells growing but they're adding fat cells because of the Crazy contrast, That's right. making it more difficult each time they go through that process. Right. I know guys that will gain thirty pounds in that same period of time, and that's just insane to me. One thing about and, Adam, they're, and they're making it so difficult. Oh, and one thing about you, Adam, that I that I uh, enjoyed watching that the few times I saw you compete was your preps were short, and your you would sharpen up. That was it. It wasn't like you were fat and then you got shredded. Right, it's like you were lean and then you got sharp. And because you had a good understanding of where that you know that kind of home base needs to be, so it's not about trading the two out. The way I look at it is most of the time, most of your life, you should be in this really healthy state of balance, of homeostasis, of 
intuitive eating, of training to feel good, of you know taking care of your body. That's how you should be most of the time. But you should definitely push your body sometimes and have a good time with it and just know that, okay, now that I'm done pushing my, this is what I do, right? Now I do that. I, I didn't do this before. I used to gain 30 pounds every winter. No joke. I'd get my body weight as high as 220, 230 back in the day. And then I cut all the way down to 190. And it was this ridiculous thing that I would do every year. Now, what I do now is I push my body uh, to you know add 15 pounds on a lift or whatever, or maybe I'll gain seven or eight pounds on the scale. I have accomplished now what I wanted to do. And then I'll pull back and see where my body falls when it's in balance. And so far, and now I'm older, so I don't think I'm going to continue. I'm not going to progress like I did before. But when I started using this strategy, each time I'd come down to my balance, I'd end up a little bit better than I did before. And right. it wasn't this crazy huge swing where I had to do, you know, 16 weeks of dieting or force feeding myself insane amount of food. I mean, I used to force feed myself 6,000 calories. I mean, it was so much food. There's no way. I'm pretty sure it played a role in some of the gut issues that I have now. But yeah, that's really the key there is find your balance and then move from there and don't go... Yeah, move in and out of it. That's it. You're encouraged to move. If you're going to adapt and grow, you've got to move out of your your balancing comfort zone. That's that's optimizing. Balance is optimizing. Stretching yourself and overreaching a little bit is you adapting and growing. And you just... You want to minimize that. You don't. What people do too much is they ah, you know, I want to grow, so it's tons of calories, training hella hard, and it's everything they got towards that. You just it's this kind of ebb and flow thing where it's hey, you know, I I I would like to. I think everybody needs to practice, and this is why too. I used to rant about the you know you have no a lot of people have no business competing until they've learned how to control Mm -hmm. their body weight and put themselves in a healthy low body fat percentage that they can maintain without even really trying that hard. You should be in that place before you start competitively going one extreme or the other extreme. So the same thing goes for this average person. Like before you start pressing hard to grow, you need to find what homeostasis, like Justin said, looks like, and then, you know, be able to throw a variable in there. Like, Hey, I'm going to add 500 calories and I'm going to increase my uh, volume by 5,000 pounds a week over the next three weeks. And let's see what my body does, Mm -hmm. you know, and then pull back from there and then add more. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what it should be. And you did like. mention the scale. I think that's a good point too with the scale. Is the scale is a really it lies to you. Right. Okay. That is a I, I used to watch the scale. And if it went up in weight, well poof, I'm doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of things that can add weight on the scale. <laughs> the same thing for losing weight. At the beginning of the episode we talked about Katrina losing two pounds and actually going up in body fat percentage. Like the scale is such a general uh, signal you got to look at other things and just gain, look, here's the bottom line. I could cut off your arm and you would lose weight on the scale. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's funny. I used to play games. I don't know if you did this, Adam, because I know you were always trying to gain too. I would weigh myself after eating a big meal. Of course. I would not weigh myself first thing in the morning because I wanted to make sure that the scale would go right. up. You want to loot it. Yeah. It's so funny how, yeah. you, how you mess uh, with your I own to do that yeah. too. mind. Next question is from Lemon Base Drop. What's a good indicator that you've built up enough strength to start cutting calories to lose fat? So I think what they mean is how, what's a good indicator that you're in a good position to start cutting calories? Like if, if your metabolism is built up enough. Mm. I, I, really, I really like this question because this is kind of the, the dilemma that I was in before we decided to do this competition. I was really excited for us to do this because it, it added focus for me and more motivation than I already had to to get healthier and get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, now, the, the challenge with that is that I am so competitive, I want to win so much that I'm constantly having this mental battle of what I should do for my body and what I want to do to try and win, right? 
And I knew damn well going into this competition between all of us that I am not in the position to, you know, like Sal was saying earlier, just sharpen up and get lean. Because normally what I do before in a prep is I am in a very healthy place with my metabolism, with my hormones. Well, I'm taking synthetic normally when I'm competing. So of course they're 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 flying, they're good. And I go, okay, I'm at X amount of calories, which I'm for me, I could easily be eating 4,500 to 5,000 calories before I decide to cut. I'm in a great place. I have a lot of room to reduce calories up or down or add cardio or whatever I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm in a very healthy place. I'm not there yet. And I, I mean, a good day of eating for me right now, like a high calorie day is like 3,200, maybe 3,400 calories. Like and any more than that, and I start to put on some body fat. So my metabolism is not roaring. Now, there's a lot of factors that come into play there. My lean body mass has is, is significantly been reduced since then. My Achilles issue and my mobility, my movement, I'm not moving as much. I'm not burning as many calories. So I have a lot of things that are going on. But in a perfect world, you know, and even in this in this competition, like you don't see me cutting. I'm not trying to aggressively cut just to win this competition with these guys. I'm still trying to build and cut, build and cut, kind of at the same time because I'm ultimately trying to make sure that my health is in the right position. So, kind of going back to the first question about you know finding what homeostasis is for you or what that balance looks like. Well, I know for me, like the amount of calories I like to eat that's sustainable for me is about four thousand. That gives me lots of room to have a burger every once in a while. It gives me the ability to where I don't have to be like penny pinching my calories or cutting things or being really stingy about my proportions. I can eat very comfortably in that calorie range. It fuels my body properly. I have good workouts. So that's kind of where I'd like to be. So the fact that I'm only at about 3,200, 34 tells me that I'm really not in the right place to start cutting calories to lean out. Now, I'm trying to flirt with that a little bit because of this competition. So I'm having a few days. Like, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll run a few low days at like 2,500 calories, which is really low for me. In fact, that was the lowest I ever saw during competing days. Like, that would be like for one day, I would give myself a 2,500 calorie day at the very end of a competition. So, where I'm at right now, I wouldn't recommend to me if I was coaching me to go cut. I would be telling me, Adam, you still need to be reverse dieting. You still need to be building muscle. Let's continue to build up that, that metabolism. Now, what that means to you is going to be different, right? So where when I think you're ready to be cut, and this is how I used to coach Melissa when she was asking me the same question. Well, coach, when is it time for us to come back the other way and start shredding? You keep adding calories. You keep telling me to do this. You keep doing it. When are we going to start to lean out and get ripped? I said, my goal for you is to keep feeding you to get to a point where you finally look back at me and you say, Adam, that's a lot of food. I can't eat it. I can't eat this. It's just a lot. It's becoming, when it becomes inconvenient to get the amount of calories that your body needs to sustain your weight, you're in a very good mm -hmm. place to start to go the other way. It's That's your body naturally saying, hey, we got plenty of food. It's hard to get all the food I need to get just to sustain this weight. Now it's very natural for me to say, okay, now pull back. And then I would just tell her, okay, now just cut one of those meals out. Yeah, yeah. And then we just fucking drop. Yeah. And it's and she's comfortable because she's not stuffing herself to get there. She's still eating a substantial amount of calories and her body is just responding. Yeah, because a little rule of thumb that, and just, just to put it differently, but the same exact thing that, that Adam's saying, is I'll tell people where where do you, where would you like your calories to be when you're maintaining your body weight? Right, right. Okay, so 
if you're, uh, you know, if you're a woman and you're saying, well, I'd like to, you know, I think I'd be okay eating about 1800 calories a day, every day for the rest of my life. I think I could maintain that. It's a decent mm. amount of food. It's not too much. It's not too little. I would love to be able to maintain at 1800 calories. Well, then what I'm going to do with that person is I'm going to say, okay, well, the goal then is to get your metabolism to a point where you can, you're burning off, you know, six, seven, 800 more calories in that. Because then when you cut, you're going to cut down to that number. So the goal is you want to be able to cut Stretch down. inside that a bit. Yeah, you want to cut down to a number that you feel you can maintain at long for a long time. You don't want to cut down to a number that's hard to stay at. You right. know, So if you're, a, if, again, if you're the same female and you're losing weight and getting lean, but you're eating 1,100 calories, well, guess what you're going to have to eat to keep that off? About 1,100 calories. Well, I've got the same issue with another client friend of mine who is – also an ex-competitor, and she's currently at, you know, 1,800 calories, and she wants to lose a good 30, 40 pounds, and she's, like, begging me to give her the green light to cut and go the other direction, and I just, I'm not okaying it. No, she'll like, go down to 1,200. Yeah, because I know. I'm like, yeah, you we can drop to 12, 1,300 calories, and I could shred you off another 10, 15 pounds real quick. But to keep that off now, you got to maintain 1,200 calories? Like, who the fuck wants to live like that? Mm-hmm. So th- that's perfect advice. That's exactly, and that's why this advice is different per person, and that mm-hmm. only you can make that decision on where you want to be. Absolutely, I could throttle down right now to try and accelerate my fat loss, to try and edge out Sal or Justin in, in the body fat reduction right now by reducing my calories, reducing my calories, reducing my calories. But then I'm going to end up in a place where I'm at like fucking 1800 calories and like fuck you. I don't want to like I don't want I don't want to live there. Yeah, like we know this, what the other end of that looks like. Yeah, like I'm not going to I'm not going to maintain that for a long time. What I'd like to do is continue to reverse diet, build myself up to where I'm pushing myself at like 4500 calories, 4000 somewhere around that range. So then when I cut back to like 3,500 and 3,000, that's a very easy place for me to kind of maintain yeah. and, and be healthy. So that's how you make that decision. Yeah. And most cuts, most times, you know, when you cut someone's calories, it's typically between three to 600 calories a day. So average four or 500 calories. So think about it that way. Like you might want to get at least 500 calories over where you want to maintain to keep your body weight that's at a, your That's new. another great point. That's, and that brings me back to what I was saying about how I like to really get up to like 5,000 because that gave me that flexibility to push harder. Like somebody who eats 5,000 calories, dropping to 4,000 ain't a big deal. Because no. 4,000 is still adequate. I'm hitting all my max. And this takes time. It's important people know this, by the way. We got to communicate that. This takes time. If you've gone through a year or longer of cycling through diets or low calories... You got to give yourself, I've had people I've had to work with for a year, a full year before I decided, okay, now we can start to cut your calories. So this may take some fucking time if you've got some quote unquote damage going on with your body. So just make friends with the fact that, okay, this can take a little while because you don't want it. Otherwise you're going to, you're kicking the can down the road. You're going to stay where you're at and you're going to be in one of these situations where for the next five to 10 years, you're constantly fighting to lose that last 10 pounds and you're barely eating any food. It's kind of a shitty place. Well, to be in. a lot of these these arbitrary numbers that we're throwing around too comes from you know the individuals RDAs for all these macro and micronutrients. So think about this for a second. And a lot of people have not even ever done this before, which I have, and that's where this all came from and how I started to figure it out for myself. Is you know go through all your and RDAs your recommended daily allowance, right? So what what you should be taking in for a, these macro and micronutrients, and start to look at all those. And if 
the calorie number that you're at doesn't sufficiently give you enough nutrients that your body needs. And we'll just use the basic ones like protein and fat right now. Like proteins and fats have calories in them. If you're at a certain body weight and size, muscle mass, you your body needs X amount of protein and should be eating X amount of fat to sustain that body. And if you're having to eat significantly less than that just to lose some weight, you're not in a good place. Mm. You want to be like Sal saying, you want to be in a place that I can reduce my calories and I could still hit what my my nutrient targets are. So my body's being fed and is healthy and is getting what it needs instead of being in a super deprived place in a very low calorie, low nutrient deficient. You're, you're just asking for your body to say, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick, guys, I do want to remind you that this month, all month long, MAPS Performance is 50% off. You got to use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N, and the number 50, no spaces. Just go to mindpumpmedia.com. Next question is from Cam Lil Doty. How would someone who works as an engineer and sits at a desk for eight or more hours a day get their step count to 10 to 14,000 or more steps per day? Great question. You know, it's a tough one. It's funny because for most of human history, this was not uh, a problem, right? It, everything you did involved movement and walking. Yep. And the average person probably averaged closer to 20,000 steps a day just from doing daily things. In fact, if I took so if I went back in time with a time machine 500 years and I brought people back from 500 years ago and I brought them into a gym, They'd be like, "What are these machines? Yeah, that people- why, yeah. Are you pay to come yeah. do this? Yeah, what do you, you got- pay to work? They'd yeah. all go. I got a farm right up the road. What, are, what do they I got? got? Heavy boxes over here. Like, <laughs> yeah, why are you lifting those weights? Like, what are you guys building? Like, what's well, nothing? They're just doing it for the sake of doing it because they need to move. I mean, yeah. so the key here to understand and just become friends with is that you're going to have to schedule it in. Yes. Bottom line, you have to be very intentional the entire process with this, and that means like you know parking far away. You know, like all these like little things that you can incorporate throughout your entire day that like, okay, uh, I'm not going to allow myself to sit when I get home. I'm going to be walking, doing things constantly. That's right. I, I, this is what I used to tell clients who were at desks all day long. I used to tell them every 90 minutes, go do a 15 minute walk or activity. That's it. Now you will actually find you're more effective and more productive when you do this because movement does stimulate uh, neural connections in the brain, increases BDNF in the brain, which, you know, it's like a nootropic, right? Maybe it helps you think faster and smarter, gives you more energy, uh, gives you a little break from what you're doing, changes the environment. And if you could do things that don't require you to sit down, if you could do certain things standing or moving, then do so. And this is the other thing too. I don't understand this part right here at all. For people who sit down all day long at work, why do they go sit down for lunch? That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Eat your food and go for a walk. You got an hour. Like take advantage of that. Your body was not designed to sit that long all the time. It just wasn't. And so you're going to have to literally schedule it in. I like what Ben Greenfield does, right? He's, he mm-hmm. sets an alarm on his phone. and his every little micro workouts he does all over the place. Yeah, yeah, every so often his alarm will go off and he'll be like, oh, I got to do 10 squats. And then you'll go sit down again. And, right. Oh, I, another one went off. I got to do some push-ups. Right. And you'll do that. Now, I, I when I started doing trigger sessions, uh, I noticed greater productivity. So when I first started testing uh, the maps program first, the first thing I did was I wrote the workout out, just like how to do the workout. And I was testing it out after I wrote the workout out. Then, you know, Doug and I had to create all this marketing material for it. And Doug puts it together. He wraps it, makes it look nice. But I do a lot. I do most of the writing. I have to write 
the sales material. You have to write the information. You have to write the blogs. I ended up writing, I don't know how many blogs at the time. And, and I found that on the days that I did trigger sessions, I was way more productive mm -hmm. than the days where I just did a one-hour workout and the rest of the day I wasn't active. It was crazy. It was like I'd sit down and I'd write and I'd find myself getting stuck and I'd be like, oh, shit, I got to do my well, eight-minute trigger session. Yeah, I think that's an even better strategy than just trying to get steps in because now we're actually like trying to stimulate like other parts of your body and other muscles that are, you know, you're, are completely inactive because you're sitting for so long. Uh, as opposed to just like getting movement in, you know, being very purposeful and being very intentional about what types of movements um, that you can. And plus, too, it doesn't take up a lot of, of space. So like walking, you got to go somewhere. You got to go do something else. Like literally, like you said, with the Ben Greenfield thing where he does like pops into squats and like has these these alarms that kind of go off. Mm -hmm. You can kind of you know, incorporate that. It feels to me a little bit easier with like a rubber band, something that you can do. Um, that's that's a little more purposeful. Yeah, and I think, in, is it in Japan, Doug, because I know you live there, that some companies have morning exercise routines for the employees and then like mid-afternoon exercise routines? Yeah, I think a lot of the big companies or even small companies would have people outside in the morning doing calisthenics. Yeah, and like Tai I mean, Chi. I actually saw like a, a, at a Mercedes dealership, I drove by once and in the morning, everybody was out there doing their calisthenics, their, you know, their stretches and their jumping jacks and all that stuff. Now, you know why they yeah, did that? Cool. Is, remember the Japanese culture. Smart and improved productivity, I'm oh, sure. Oh, they're very focused on productivity. In fact, yeah. so smart. The, the, the explosion of Japan's economy in the 1980s was a crazy example. It's a tiny country and they just exploded onto the scene and they were, they were just super effective and that's why they implemented those things. They found that we do this with our employees they're a lot more effective at their job. So, because I think a lot of people think if they stop to move, that they're going to get less work done. No, I got to sit at my desk. I got all this work to do. Five to eight minutes is really all you need. Do that movement. I mean, you end up doing, if you're there for eight hours, you'll probably end up doing about, you know, you figure about five to 10 minutes each time. That's a good 40, almost 40 minutes of exercise spread out. But your productivity will increase, you know, at the same time. Now, I 100% agree with you guys. If you uh, if you are a person who can actually Ben Greenfield the shit out of this, and every couple hours, like or 90 minutes or so, like Sal was saying, get up and do these these little micro movements. Um, I haven't had as much success with clients uh, in those those uh, those strategies. Now, some of my clients will implement that a couple times, uh, maybe throughout their day. But a lot of my clients uh, just they get so busy with work that four hours passes and they haven't fucking moved. So that tends to be difficult to pull somebody away from their super labor intensive job or mentally focused job that they're in. Now, for me, first of all, 10 to 14,000 steps. Uh, if you think that's a lot of steps, like it's not. It's not a lot of steps. It may sound like it. It may feel like it because you get up, you get in your car, you drive to work, you sit at work, and then you drive home and you sit back at home and watch TV. Or maybe within there, you have a one-hour workout, which is only about two to 3,000 steps if you're walking around the gym. So that may seem like a ton, but listen to what I just said you're doing. You're not fucking moving at all. Uh, simply getting up one hour earlier in your day and going for a walk first thing in the morning, whether you have a dog or a pet or a spouse that you can go walk for and or in the evening or training yourself 
at the dinner meal. Like, so this is what's been very successful for me in teaching my clients. If you're a morning person, teaching them to be up early because people, some people like to be up early and get up and have a cup of coffee or whatever. So instead of having your cup of coffee and sitting at the table and reading the newspaper, have a cup of coffee and listen to your newspaper and walk. And go walk outside in the morning fresh air and add that into your routine an extra half hour, hour earlier. And then I love the idea of, and this does work for a lot of my clients, is at lunch break, do go for a little 20-minute, 30-minute walk. And then at the end of the night, after you have your last meal, go for another walk. And then you guys see me right now. I don't know if you notice it or not, but when I train in here, I pace between sets. Oh yeah, I do the same thing. So, and I'm not doing jump rope. I'm not doing burpees. I'm not trying to elevate my heart rate, but I am moving my body. I am burning more calories than I would be if I was sitting absolutely still. And because I use my steps as a way to measure the way I'm increasing movement over the time and progressing into a competition like this, I incorporate just walking in between sets. And that tends to ramp up a couple extra thousand steps from my one hour workout. So that's a, those are simple ways for you to add that in there. Now that be, now all that being said, you can uh, aside, you can schedule one hour of list cardio, which is, you know, low intensity, steady state where you're just kind of elliptical, a very light, light jog. You're not trying to push the heart rate super hard. And in an hour's time, you're going to get 10,000. You'll get 10,000 steps just from a light jog. A walk will get you eight. So if a walk will get you eight, a light jog is going to get you 10 to 14 for one hour. And so you might need to be someone who, okay, my goal is I'm going to do what the boys are saying and schedule all these breaks in the middle of the day or a morning walk or evening. And if you do, you may not have to do this hour of list cardio, but if you don't, that's your, your default, right? My default is, fuck, today was just crazy. Boss didn't let me get away from the computer. I couldn't get a break. I didn't work through a lunch, just a crazy day. I know those days happen, so I understand that. But then when that happens, that's when I discipline myself to go, hey, well, then today I need to make sure that I go for that walk with Katrina tonight when I get home. This is a day I can't skip on that because this was also a day where I sat on my ass all day long. And this is why I love... Fitbits and trackers is just just for this exact reason, just a, a reminder. Not because I hang on the number. I go, oh my god, I only burned this much. I got to do this, or oh my god, I'm only this many steps. I do this. It's just a, oh shit, I didn't realize how inactive I was today. Holy fuck, it's four o'clock and I'm at two thousand steps. That I'm not on pace to hit my ten, fifteen, twenty thousand steps or whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that that's how I use those things, and then I would incorporate some list cardio. Next question is from Elizabeth H. Harris. What are your self-care practices and how do they impact your mental and physical aptitude? Self-care. I, you know, uh, I masturbate a lot. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> and it makes, clears my head, you know, helps me to start my day the right way. Yep, yep, same here. What about you, Adam? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know what, what I think about when I hear this question is uh, I think about all of the uh, parents that I've trained throughout my career. Um, and then, of course, myself, I have children. It is very important to take care of yourself if you want to be an effective parent or an effective human being. Mm-hmm. Especially, and I, I communicate this to parents more often because it's easier to become a martyr right. when you have kids because you value and love your children so much. Like, I love my kids more than 
more than the word love even expresses. There's nothing that compares. Well, so a it's lot very, of times you get lost because you don't see like how much you're pouring outwardly, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not like filling yourself up. It's it's just easy to get into that that sort of a trap in that mentality, uh, you know, as a parent. So I totally agree. Yeah, and it, it it's 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 easy to do because you love these these kids so much, and it's altruistic, and it feels good. But at the same time, if you're tired, if you're not taking care of yourself, you become less of an effective parent, less of an effective human being. And so that's when I think about, you know, what what this question reminds me of. Now for me, my workouts are my biggest self-care practice. I wake up every morning at between five and 5.30 and, you know, within 45 minutes to an hour, I'm in my garage and I'm working out. I have a workout partner. It's my girlfriend, Jessica, but it's our time. We go in there and, and we do our thing. We have a ritual. We do our workout uh, then we come back out and it's it's my time. It's our time. This is when I take care of myself. And it's been like this for the last, you know, 25 years of, of my life. I've been doing this uh, since I was a kid. So that's the biggest, uh, most important self-care practice uh, that I do for myself. The other one is, is a little bit more recent. And this is something that um, I've done uh, more recently since I started dating Jessica. And this is at night. We do at least 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, where her and I will sit down we have the lights off um, or candlelight just because we're trying to get our bodies ready for sleep. And we will sip on tea and we'll just have a, a good conversation or just sit there quietly. And um, I've really started to appreciate that that wind down before bed because I used to be the kind of person that I would run real hard and then go right to bed. There was no like prep before going to bed. So I'm really starting to appreciate doing that. It allows us to connect with each other, communicate um, and kind of end the day on a on a on a good relaxing note, um, and I think those are the top two things that kind of come on top of my yeah, head. Yeah, I think for me, um, what I've noticed really helps me to be able to get to that space is to create more systems within, like outside of work. Like work, we're always trying to kind of organize and get better about like. Um, you know, being, being a solid, like oiled machine, like every, all the systems are in place and everything's working the way it should. Well, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't realized that I didn't really establish that in my own house, like, and for myself, like to, you know, what do I do when I come home? You know, what, what are the first items? And like, it took me a while to figure out like the priorities of like, okay, I'm going to address this first. Cause now, you know, we have a puppy, he's got to get exercise constantly, you know, the kids, they, they have work they need to accomplish. They need to clean rooms, you know, this or that, whatever. The other, like, I'm going to go, you know, cook outside. I'm going to do, like, barbecue. I'm going to wash the dishes. Like, like all these things are are items that, like, if I, if I now get into a rhythm with it, yeah, I don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think about that anymore. Now I can go and enjoy like so i'll go for to walk the dog for instance i can be meditative about it now like okay now i'm out now i'm just i'm really trying to just just get the you know the chatter out of my mind and so that 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 allows me to come back in a better state of mind i start accomplishing these other tasks and then you know and they go through the whole process of you know putting the kids to sleep you know this and that and the other to where like now i can kind of like enjoy reading a book or like talking to my wife or like, you know, just being in a better mental state, um, creating that sort of organization of like, okay, this is literally what like a day is going to look like. I can repeat this. And so that's really helped me to, to, to bring me into like a, a relaxing kind of a state. So I was, I was looking for uh, a text message that 
I sent to Katrina on Monday because this sparked this this thought for me. And if you, I don't know if you've listened to the interview that we did with Sex with Emily, I think on her show, I think it was her show. I talked about the, when I tell Katrina, I love you, um, because I'm, I'm one of the guys who doesn't do that enough. So I, I'm terrible at it, but there's reasons behind that. And I get into it in the show. But when I do, it's because I'm thinking of something or, and I can always explain. And so we have this kind of thing that we do in our relationship where if I say I love you that she at any time she can challenge me and say what are you thinking about and I'll be able to tell her exactly what may prompted me to say that and so on Monday morning or Monday late morning I sent her a text message that said I love you and then she sent back to me you know why and then I I listed off all the reasons why and it was it was more about taking care of myself and how important that is to me loving her. And I'm when I'm taking care of myself, my own practices and doing those things, I'm a better partner. I'm a better em- employer, employee, like I'm better all the way around. And I, re- I recognize now as an older man, how important all these things are over a lot of the other superficial things I probably used to chase when I was when I was much younger. And so the, the list of things that I had said to her, I'll read them to you. So since this popped up right now, uh, I sent this to her on Monday, Monday morning, I sent her over the, I love you. And then she sends back to me, what are you, what are you thinking about? And I said, uh, our house is clean. Our boys are clean. My cars are clean. Camaro is running. Meals are prepped. Boys are walked, read my book this morning, had coffee on our patio, walked a couple miles, trained both days this weekend, had a great weekend, sex with my beautiful wife. I call her my wife, even though she's not. Week, week set, <clears throat> uh, week is set for success. Life doesn't get much, much better than that. It's all coming together. And, and really all those things that I listed off are so important to my, my self-care practices. For some reason, I've put this together a long time ago that when when the cars that I get into on a regular basis are not cluttered and they're clean, when my dogs that I pet that pick up dust and drive my allergy crazies and it allows me to love on them and play with them, makes me a happier person. When we have incredible sex, obviously that's always really good. When I wake up early, enough time for me to go get a nice brisk walk in like we were talking about in the last question and I'm able to read one of my books or listen to one of my audio books while I'm on a walk, all of these things impact my mental health and my and where I'm at as far as myself. Those things right there, if if th- that's where I'm trying to get every day. When I can hit those out the park mm-hmm. every day, I fucking crush, man. I crush every aspect of my life. And I think it's extremely important that you whatever yours are, that you figure those out because it will enhance um, every other aspect of your life. And I know that may sound weird because I'm telling her I love her and it's all about me, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that you, can, you can't love anybody fully until you fully love yourself. Absolutely. That's what Justin said earlier. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do. I'm loving myself to all where the time. It, uh, uh, things come out. Oh you know my god! I mean? <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Oh, oh, wow. so, excuse me. So <laughs> check, check this out. We have free guides that we've written for you. Uh, some of them teach you how to burn body fat. Others teach you how to train certain areas of your body. They're at mindpumpfree.com. You can get all of them. Again, they're free. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, 
Check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>